rhythm, groove, euphoria, and that feeling to make you let go of your worries. This is Variation with Sad Ayu. Welcome to a brand new episode of Variation. I am your host, Sadayu. This week, we have a very special guest. He is the man of the hour for this special episode to starting up the 2021. His name is Mr. Laws Jones, who is the CEO or the managing director for Roller Blaster Records. So we spoke about an hour uh, discussing the things that we have done so far together, how um, he came into the music space and uh, scaled his record label and a lot more. So enjoy this hour-long podcast, which is available, especially also in Spotify, just the podcast part. Uh, But if you like to listen to the mix, you can actually... Join my Apple iTunes or SoundCloud where the second part is basically the mix that is celebrating the release of my track called Seduction with Katri. So I hope you guys enjoy this special episode of Variation. So a quick um, story or the history behind how I met Laws was um, I was actually reached out to by my distributor who also is the same distributor for Laws. Uh, Label Works, they mentioned that there was a contest that was uh, being ran with London Music. Uh, I think there was a conference that was supposed to happen back in 2019. And there was a contest happening where they will give a feedback uh, through multiple labels. And uh, eventually the winner will get a release. Plus you get some gears and studio gears. Plus uh, I think there was a... uh, I was supposed to play a show as well at Fabric London uh, in 2019. I mean, it wasn't for like, you know, playing the show or anything. My f- reason of uh, participating in that contest, even though at that point my my career was kind of already a little bit ahead in the trance scene, was that I always struggled with, um, you know, making a network or a connection with in, in the UK part of the scene. And I think that was like a very easy way for me to get access to it. And I thought, you know what, why not? Let's give it a try. And also me changing my sound a little bit to house and techno, even though I was like way ahead on the trance scene, but the techno and house was still kind of like a backtrack for me going back to my roots and pretty much a baby at that point. So I was like, you know what, there's no shame or no ego of like, oh, you're so ahead on trance. And then you run into it like, or you participate in a contest. I was like, you know what? There's no shame on that. I'm just going to try to see if my music or my sound is actually on par of winning a contest. And that's how I discovered Roller Blaster. And Laws reached out to us when I actually submitted my track called Shuffle that came out last year. And rest is history. We have a lot of tracks together coming up as well, including Seduction with my partner Katri uh, this Friday, actually. So welcome to the show, Laws. How are you doing? Thank you. No, good, good. Yeah. And it was interesting, wasn't it, that uh, that competition? Didn't quite all go according to plan, but yeah. uh, I met some fantastic people through it, I have to say. It was, uh, yeah, it was really, really good. <laughs> yeah, I think that that was the whole idea behind it too. I feel like, you know, getting together a lot of like, like-minded people rather just, you know, 
just a regular contest that you see online. And I think that was great. And, um, you know, reaching out to like, you're you're reaching out to me about the track made me at least like, it's not even like, you know, winning the contest, but at least I realized that, okay, so I do have something going on in terms of my techno or the house side of things. So that kind of gave me like an assurance that, okay, I can definitely venture out a little bit even more because I was very, I was almost going to be, I'm going to be honest, but I was very much like iffy about if my decision was the right one. And again, the decision of me, like switching my sound was nothing to do with industry politics and all that, but it's more just how I was enjoying the music at that point. And I was like, really getting back into the house scene because even though I started as like housing a techno DJ locally when I moved here in Canada 10 years ago trance kind of like took over but there was always that whole techno and uh, like the house thing that always brought me back and I feel like that was the time and that's the same time when I met you so Mm. there's a lot of great things yeah there's a lot of great things came out of it (laughs) perhaps it's still huge in the UK it's uh it's one of those things the, the problem, I, th- I think, with uh, with with trance, certainly in the UK, is it's got quite cheesy. So yeah. the really good trance records, mm-hmm. uh, about two thousand, they started to drop off, and we ended up with a lot of a yeah. lot of cheesy records. <laughs> and um, there's still got some good stuff, but it's mm-hmm. it's uh, it, it hasn't. And when I hear some of your stuff, and I hear some mm-hmm. of the stuff that's actually coming out in the states and, and mm-hmm. places like that, mm-hmm. that's still good traditional kind of decent trance music but yeah we've lost it a little bit here yeah i mean i feel like the reason behind trance how i mean this is my personal opinion uh is that the reason trance got a little bit stale is because everything that is coming out now it's very driven through like you know templates and you just buy a template and you are a trans producer tomorrow and you can get a release too because it's such a neat it has kind of shrunk the market to the point it's so niche that it's very easy to release tracks too so but I'm hoping that one day it's kind of do a, like a circle back to its glorious days who knows I did yeah, finish one track by the way recently too which was for Paul I can't say it too much but it was very 90s driven track so trying to bring back that sound <laughs> yeah you see and he's, st- he's still good he's mm-hmm. still good he's, I mean yeah. you know, he was good and he continues to push, push out and some of those guys they continue to make classic dance records even now, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, Profile's not quite the same as it, it it was in terms of kind of certainly certainly not on um, UK radio and kind of that profile. But it's still there, absolutely still there. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, I think one thing I I would like definitely give it to him is that he's he's very dedicated to a very certain sound. And he has never changed that, which is very kudos to him. So maybe one day I will be able to be that dedicated. But for me right now, which is focused on house and techno. Uh, speaking of that, let's um, ask you a quick question since we are already into it. So how did Roller Blaster start? Like how did it came to being? So we, we've been going uh, about three years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, I've got a friend who's a producer, FTSE. Uh, mm-hmm. And he was, he was signed to um, Ministry of Sound and he was just coming to the end of his kind of his deal on the tracks that he'd, he'd got signed for for them. I think he'd, he'd signed for three or five releases and he'd, he'd kind of got to the end of those. And he'd got tons of music that he wanted to get out. And um, I, 
he he said, okay, let's why don't why don't we do something where we can get these tracks out and have a bit more control over it rather than the, yeah. the constant pitching. I think it just, it just split with another manager having been burned through, you know, a couple. Um, so it was like, why don't we take a bit of control over this and kind of start um, a label and you know c- complete creative control and the ability to kind of think think through yeah. what we do. So we started up. Um, yeah, and I made lots of mistakes. I mean, lots of mistakes. It's <laughs> you think but you know what's like, doing. As as myself, like an owning a label, like mistakes are the best way to learn. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Process, right. So I think uh, when I discovered Roller Blaster, I think one of the like the best part of your label that I really enjoy, and I, this is also with my previous manager Adam, uh, is, he was mentioning that there's a, there's a thing that clicked between me and you is that you're very open towards information that like you know sharing the tracks and everything else like the being crystal clear of what your expectation is versus what my expectation is the best way to actually develop a relationship and we got it like right away and that's one of the favorite thing about roller blaster and i think i've i kind of like live through that motto too so yeah, I, I think you've um, there's a there's a there's a lot of bullshit, isn't there, in the oh, industry? Absolutely, including the um, contest. <laughs> yeah, including that contest. And, but, yeah. and um, I mean, I, I, it's really unhelpful. And I think, mm. I mean, the best thing is when you get people together who, re- for, for the starting point, really like music and really want to get good quality music out there mm. to people to hear. You know, yeah. that's kind of where you start. And the other thing with recorded music is, by and large, there's not a huge amount of money in it. So you kind of have to forget about that as being your your main motivator. There's money in the music industry. Mm-hmm. There's still a lot of money, I think, for you know, for people who can uh, can get signed to to major labels. But but in truth, in recorded music itself, there's not a huge amount of money for most people yeah. in it. So yeah. if you can set that aside, you can concentrate on really good music. And if you can Therefore, be transparent about what you want to do and let the creativity be the driver rather than um, the, the money and the egos and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think you can do really good things. And, and it's, it's, it's good fun and good things happen if you mm-hmm. take that model. So yeah. that's, that's where I've come from. And I don't there's any, you know, there's no need to be underhand or hide things. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I absolutely agree with you. So that's, yeah. that's the way to go. And uh, like you personally, how did you get into the music industry in the first place? Well, um, so when I um, I left school very many years ago, mm-hmm. um, my first job was working in a studio, so kind of community arts type studio, uh, learning around, uh, you know, recording and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it was really interesting. One of the one of the f- first things I recorded, not one of the first things, but during my first kind of year, um, the um, uh, we'd got a, a singer called Carol Leeming, who's kind of local to me, and she'd um, she'd had this demo through from um, from these these producers, and um, she'd brought it in fourteen minutes. It was of this house track, and she just sang over the top of it. Yeah, and um, it was um, a group called Bedrock, and it's the track ended up on the Train Spotting soundtrack. Nice. Uh, so um, so kind of really early introductions to kind of. Uh, house and all the stuff that was going on then um, and I was going to raves and parties and stuff and um we we, you know, we did some party organizing free party type organizing as well um 
so that was kind of my introduction to the to the music business uh, and it was producing a bit and yeah. I, I didn't DJ <laughs> I tried DJ it was all vinyl back then terrible yeah. asset so, so, I, so yeah. I kind of put that to the side. But I was doing some some producing and um, did some session musician work. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, to be honest, then it sort of disappeared. I had to get a proper job. Yeah. Came along, family. So I put it all on hold, really, until um, the kids got a bit older, started doing a bit of producing again, and, the, and then mm-hmm. the roller blaster thing. So, um, and the nice thing, I suppose, having kind of established a a career and having some money was that there was a way to kind of put something back into all of that again yeah. in a way that I probably couldn't have done if I'd have just uh, mm. continued as I was when I was 16. So, well, you're making your dream come true. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think I totally agree with you is that when you mentioned about like, you know, if you're chasing the money and like other stuff that comes with it, then it's really hard to actually kind of like get into the music industry. And I tr- I truly believe in that too. It's like, like a lot of people ask me, it's like, how do you do this? Because I did, I did um, quit my full-time job before COVID happened. And that time it was easy for me because I had kind of a stream of shows coming in. But then COVID happened. Obviously, I <laughs> questioned myself multiple times. Like, Why did I quit my full-time job? But like everything kind of like falls into its right place. And one of the things is that if I was chasing money, I probably would have like crashed down right away. But it wasn't that at all. Like I always had like a plan set in motion how I kind of wanted to do this. So it really comes down to like, you know, support and like a framework of what you want to do uh, when it comes to getting into the music industry. And yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. If, as long as there's no money and ego, I mean, ego part is like... a completely inside like a different topic we can talk about for days oh yeah hopefully that kind of changes with this covid um like a big reset that's what my uh, really big wish is that the ego part of the music industry can needs to do a big reset once things comes comes back to like normal again yeah and i think there's this the signs of that isn't that i mean I mean, you're right. I mean, the live industry is still really, potentially really lucrative and it will come back. It's just a matter of being able to to, to get people together because it's very hard, isn't it? I mean, but, you know, festivals are huge. There's so yeah. many of them. You, you know, you discover new ones. And, you know, that in itself is is a way people can can make a living. I mean, that that's, yeah. that, that can be, be a good living, I think. Uh, and recorded music, of course, supports mm. that, doesn't it? That enables you to have enough profile to get yeah. Yeah, I mean, before, yeah, like, for example, uh, I'm going to be completely honest with you. Like, before COVID happened, I was actually planning to move to Berlin. I think I remember I speaking about that to you, too. And the reason behind that was that I wanted to do this as, like, a full-time job. And I wanted to make this out of a living. And in order for me to do that, two things I had to make decision is that I wanted to switch my sound that I really loved. Because... Even though I re- I love trance the way how it is, I still would adore no matter what. And I'm very proud of every single track that I've put out. It's It became niche, niche to the point that you have a lot of supply versus very little demand. And that kind of became harder for uh, like a musicians to kind of like make it as a full time. Being a trance DJ, it was really hard. And I, to be honest with you, I don't even know if it's going to be easier once everything gets back normal because there's going to be a lot of uh, artists that really want shows. And what happened is it, dro- it drove the price points for artists to charge even for shows so low that it wasn't even feasible. Some people, some artists even like paid from their own pocket to 
perform some big, big festival that I'm not going to mention. So that's one thing uh, for newcomers is that if you want to make it like a full-time living out of this, you make sure you do your due diligence and homework. What do you want to do? You don't want to just like make a decision right away. And then you kind of realize, oh, this is not how it, I pictured it in my like mind. And that's not what the reality is. So uh, the reason of the... Berlin move was that, okay, so I want to do that. And being in Europe, it's a little bit easier to do shows versus in North America. Because in North America, unless like you're a pop uh, or EDM driven artist, it's much easier to do those shows. Um, in the you, you're in the European country, it's completely different because you have techno house, you, even, even trance actually. Maybe you can kind of make a living out of it, but it's still a little bit harder unless like you're a really big DJ. So... That's the difference between when it comes to, you know, getting into the industry and do those as a full-time versus, you know, have you have this all this ego and everything else comes with the plan, with the mind. So hopefully it changes. That's that's what my wish. <laughs> yeah, well, I think, I mean, even with the ego thing, it's, it's really yeah. interesting how the last, the last year has really flushed out some of those toxic personalities mm-hmm. just in yeah. terms of what's been going on and, people having time to reflect actually on things that have have happened. And uh, that's, I think that's a good thing, actually. I mean, it's made, it's, it perhaps make, makes the, the scene, the kind of the, the electronic music scene, look less cohesive than it did. Mm-hmm. But there was, a, there was a lot of bad stuff going on that needed exposing with people's behaviour and egos. And I think that's yeah. started to happen. So that, that feels good, actually. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I, I, would not, I wouldn't know because... My my, uh, like idea of the toxicity when it comes to the music industry in general. I'm not talking about just trans or, or techno. In general, it comes whenever more and more shows and money gets involved, and it especially comes down to the whole booking agencies because there's so much politics and drama that is so it's behind the scene that even club owners can't even talk about because if they talk about, it, they're probably going to lose a big artist. Yeah, get booked on those shows and those things I don't know if that's going to go away right away it might even actually become even more toxic because now there are going to be so many DJs who wants to play right so we're hopeful I'm, I mean I myself is hopeful so let's see what happens <laughs> once things gets back to normal yeah I'm hopeful I, I am hopeful genuinely I think um, I think it would be really interesting there's lots of pent-up demand people want you know yeah. people are going to want to go and and see shows definitely as soon as they, they can. And you're right, there is a lot of people who, who want to play. Although, mm. interestingly, there's quite a few people who seem almost to have give, given up. Really? Um, really sad. And some good people as well who have, you know, more or less disappeared. Um, you know, I've seen messages recently of people saying, I don't know what to put on my DJ page anymore. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I mean, I, if I feel like if I had a family to feed and if my life revolved around DJing I probably would have done pretty much the same um, good thing is that I mean I do have a girlfriend and she's also a musician uh, even I was talking to her about this too as like even like if we actually had a baby now it probably wouldn't like not gonna be something we would be expecting to just do like produce music and raising a kid or a family, that's completely two different ballgames. So we both kind of on the same page on that one. But it's it's hard because especially during pandemic, like it's not easy at all. Um going you've got back to the- anyway. So you've got you've you've got a baby, it's just cat shaped. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, cats are babies too. I mean, we just, um, it's it's easier that way. <laughs> it's easier having cats versus babies, I guess, at some point. So who knows? <laughs> so um, talking about Roller Blaster a little bit more, uh, how many artists are we representing at this point? So you're three years in uh, to the music industry and uh, how many artists have you represented and how many artists you're exclusively representing through the label? Well, we don't do, we don't do anything exclusive at all, and okay. and by and large, we've always signed tracks rather than artists, mm-hmm. and given people that that freedom. Um, and, and we've done fifty releases, and a lot of those have got remixes on. So we've had we've had about the same number, I think, of artists mm-hmm. through the label, one way or another, probably probably fifty. Mm-hmm. But there's a kind of a, a core, maybe of five or six that we've been working with. And then um, there's a, a, a couple, both, well, yourselves, really, and um, and Simba, who also came out of that competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, now Junior Simba. Uh, he went through a bit of a name change. There was a lot of Simbas out there, we discovered. Yeah, yeah. No, I, think, I think that's a great decision. If you speak to him, let him know that I mentioned that that's a great decision he made. Because uh, whenever I try to search Simba on Spotify, it never shows up. No. Uh, yeah, you have to like do space, like, cause you, I think he wrote like S space, S and I space like that. And yeah. it's tedious. So I'm glad that he made that decision. Cause if you make a decision like early on like that, it's going to help in the long run for sure. Cause uh, for example, my Spotify, I'm still kind of like trying to speak. So you can reach out to Spotify and talk about some issues here and there. So my problem, for example, right now with my platform is that everything that they try to recommend my music is trans. And like, I, I haven't really produced like a full on trans in two and a half years or three. Only reason I produce trans one track a year is because I love Paul Van Dyke and he's such a great person. So for that reason, I do like release one here and there. So I was trying to tell them that and they understood my situation, but apparently it's an, a logarithmic problem. So based on where my track is on the playlist, and for that reason, it shows up with all those trends. But hopefully, eventually, it will change and <laughs> kind of like catch up with what my music is right now. So yeah, I mean, Spotify is an interesting one because they mm-hmm. tend to want to want to, um, to play you what they want to play you rather than necessarily what yeah. you want to hear. That's, yeah, and yeah. Um, I mean, it's it, a double-edged sword in my opinion because I have discovered a lot of artists that I don't think I would have ever discovered. And some of them are like currently my favorite artists. It's through the logarithmic uh, suggestions. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't even a track I was playing. It was just like I played a track and then just went like for a coffee or something. And it's just started playing other like recommendations. And I was like, this track is beautiful. And then I figured out it's like one of these artists that I never heard of. And no, and that's really true. Um, I mean, it's interesting. It's spot, what Spotify did, which is, is genius. I don't even know if they realised that they were doing it. Was mm-hmm. um, really exposed to artists how many plays you get. You know, one of the few yeah. platforms where you immediately know. So, of yeah. course, artists obsess about Spotify, even mm-hmm. though it probably pays worse than any of the others. Yeah, artists really obsess about Spotify, and it's um, you know, they 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 played that perfectly. I think as a as mm-hmm. a platform, um, which has really enabled them to grow because artists really want to do do well on there regardless of anything so there's like i would say there's few things that i wish they take as a feedback from artists i'm pretty sure they are or maybe they i don't know if they're taking that as an important is that there's few metrics they kind of show in the front are so misleading 
Uh, I mean, probably right now it doesn't really matter because there are no live shows. But eventually, say a promoter uh, clicks on my name, or like let's say a promoter clicks on someone from Techno Bunker playlist, which is one of the biggest techno players on Spotify, and the number one track is right now called Nova by someone named Casper. So if you go on his account uh, or uh, artist profile, you'll see his monthly listener is 200,000 people. So a promoter automatically would think, okay, so this person has 200,000 people listening every month. Let's book him. But then you don't get 20 people show up for the show because he's only have 800 followers. Mm. So those are a few things that is very blurred and it's kind of confusing for live shows. And that was actually started to happen before COVID. Obviously now it doesn't really matter, but hopefully they kind of figure out a way to like give like an actual representation of what's happening on that artist's like career. Because even artists might think, okay, I am getting 200,000 monthly listeners. That means like there's something going on. Yes, there is. But it's not translating to what would happen in your career for like a month or a year even. So... That's the only thing uh, I think they can fix it. I don't know if you heard, yeah. they, they are doing a social media platform for Spotify right now. They are thinking to add like a social aspect of it where you can, like the artist will be posting information and the fans can actually interact with that. So there's one thing they're planning right now. I don't know if that's going to happen soon or not. Yeah, they've, um, there is a, I mean, they do have chat rooms, don't they? They have a separate kind of platform with chat rooms on, which are, yeah, yeah, I wish they had that because that that's one of the way we used to discover music back in the days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> or IRC, even if you go even older. Yeah. <laughs> that's really true. <laughs> so um, talking about the artists that you have with Roller Blaster, you mentioned Simba, who also remixed my track Shuffle. Yeah, uh, yeah. And his track got played in BBC Radio 1, uh, which was pretty big in my opinion i don't know how big he thinks about that one that's a big recognition when get, getting a track played on bbc radio one yeah and he's had a, a few more he's just um he's just done a remix for a guy called longori who's on uh tall room um yeah. it's his remix that's everywhere at the moment so again he gets picking up radio one uh mm. danny howard pete tong uh, oh did he got play from pete tong as well yeah, I think so, on, on the Longori record. And Mark Knight's playing it on on the, the Tall Room shows as well. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's been a big step up. We, um, we've got another release with him at the end of February. Nice. Um, which is um, two records. One which is like sort of a really rhythmic, um, kind of n- new techno-type record, and the other mm-hmm. one which is a big vocal classic kind of house record. So, yeah, but he's um, he's he's really... He's really good. Really, he's a really talented guy. I have to say. And did you discover him also through that contest, or did you discover him separately? Yeah. So he got a track on, and um, and of course we had the option through that competition to try and you know pitch yeah. to sign the tracks. Yeah. So I'd, I'd rated it quite highly. His track, um, uh, and he said, "Oh, you're interested in signing it?" And I, mm-hmm. I said. No, it's a bit weird to be honest. This mm-hmm. track, um, it's called Lost Hearts, and I was a bit like, I don't, I don't really get it. It's mm-hmm. not even got a baseline. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'd listened to it about five or six times, and I had to go crawling back to him and went, oh, "I'm really sorry. I didn't get it. I just didn't get right. it." Mm-hmm. But, I, but, but I was definitely wrong. 
it's, mm-hmm. it's an amazing track. So, yeah. and he was like, yeah, no, I'm st- still willing to do it. So, mm-hmm. um, so we signed it. And that was getting big radio players as well. You know, it did, it did really well, certainly in terms of radio play. It was, it was mm-hmm. really, really up there. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's how I met him. And so we've, uh, we've done a few, he's done some, some remixes. Um, and I've got about, I think I've probably got eight, eight or nine of his tracks signed for this year. So, yeah. Um, excited i'm excited yeah yeah brilliant i think um, he's like even i told you this when i heard the remix for shuffle as like he's one of the like the guys that you should look forward to or we are looking forward to um see his career kind of go up because you can you can you can sometimes tell that yeah this person is going to places and i think simba is one of those yeah definitely um and we got a got um a release as well, a couple of weeks' time with some guys called Funk Spin. I mean, they're only on about their third or fourth release, but mm-hmm. the last one went to number one in the Beat, Beatport Tech House charts. Nice, like the main chart, uh, the release chart. Oh, nice, nice. Awesome. Which was um, <laughs> and Tech House is a difficult one. Some some of yeah. them are easier than others, aren't they? Some of the genres. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think techno and tech house is like. I mean, based on the sales, you have to have at least over 100 to even crack into any of the charts. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I said to them, what, what have you done? What's the strategy? What do I need to know? And they went, we don't know. Which <laughs> 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 I thought was brilliant. I think that's, that's, that's the way to go. Like, just figure it out eventually <laughs> how it's going to happen. You don't know. I mean, the music industry these days are like that too, though, because like, you have like this one track that you think it's going to do really well and just... Pfft, goes down and then you have this one track that's like oh yeah it's gonna work but it goes really like up in the chart so i've had that some of those even in the trends too um roller blaster where do you see roller blasters in three different timeline five months five years and ten years um that's a good question i mean the i mean in, in terms of five months we, we're building so in terms of the mm-hmm. The number of releases this year, we're kind of doubling up those that mm-hmm. we're, we're going to do with big promo packages. So I was doing one one a month last year in terms of really going for the big promo ones. And there's occasionally some smaller kind of new artist type releases in between. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're now doing two a month, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> which is really hard work. Getting busy. <laughs> You know those days when you wake up and you just think I've completely overstretched myself here. You're back at it again, trying yeah. to do stuff. Um, so hopefully that just means during this year we can kind of uh, build that 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 kind of a, a profile. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I guess it, you know even on the kind of the five years and the ten years, I I, I always want to remain able to take new artists mm-hmm. and give them that leg up. So. I'm not really looking for a place where what I've got is in a group of mm-hmm. established artists who are doing well. It'd be nice to have them, but I never mm-hmm. want to kind of lose the the spirit of um, the of young lad. Yeah, the young the, the young guys mm-hmm. uh, and, and women. You know, um, mm-hmm. and that's one of the key things. Actually, diversity is really important mm-hmm. to me. Actually, in the label, is to have a real variety of people um, who. Might get overlooked for a whole, you know, whole load of reasons, um, be it their background or the fact that they aren't very good on social media and they haven't got the numbers. Mm. You know, it's always got to be the music, music first. But um, so I never want to lose that. Um, and I guess it would be it would be great to have a, a record label that was 
successful enough to be able to do nothing but that and you know not have to work a, a another job for 40 hours in order to to make it pay i mean that would yeah. be brilliant but yeah just keep refining really just keep making sure that you know we can take we and keep artists focused i mean that's the other thing is whatever happens keep keep the focus on the artists rather than mm-hmm. um rather than the, the the business side um and give people that kind of support to be as creative as they want to be so um mm-hmm. yeah i have i have i have targets every year um <laughs> they're, think- they're not massively ambitious but I, you know you've got to have them haven't you yeah, and no, I think having a target is great. Like, and uh, my one of my uh, like the team members we were talking about, like having like an actual board and write it down also because it kind of like reminds you daily that okay, I need to reach that. And then even if you don't reach that, but at least you know that you work towards it. That's the best best feelings, at least. At least for yeah. me, I'm pretty sure you can feel the same way there too. Um, you were talking about that your previous job, so I'm guessing that you do have an, like another job aside from running the label. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still have to do the do the day job. Um, and uh, what kind of job do you do? Other side? I'm in uh, kind of social work, children's social work. So that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah, um, yeah, and it's a really yeah, it's a really important job, and it means a lot, and mm-hmm. you know the, the pay the paybacks brilliant mm-hmm. on it, um, mm-hmm. and it's. But it's stressful, and it's nice to have mm-hmm. something else to do that's also and stressful. Like but I had to say that's what I had to. Like I used to be a training manager for a telecommunication company here, and I used to train all the new art, uh, new hires. And I could, it kind of grounded me when it, when it was like I was kind of like rising up as a DJ. So it always like grounded me, like bring me down a little bit. You know, do the five, full nine to five jobs too. Um, I think having another job. Like, I know a lot of people think it's like, how do you like manage and everything? It's actually rewarding in, in a process too, as long as you're able to balance it. Yeah. And I think, I, I guess what um, what's really important to me that I kind of bring from one to the other is that, uh, you know, being able to work with people and that positivity and, and those kind of things. So there's things that you bring that you might not have if you didn't have that, that other yeah. life, I guess. Um Plus, I you know, I get to speak to a lot of uh, teenagers and know what the the new things are that they're all talking yeah. about coming up, and you yeah. get to grab onto a little bit. Having said that, I still don't understand TikTok. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I still well, don't. I, do. I struggled <laughs> with TikTok for like last two two years or three years. One of my uh, friend is actually uh, the Canadian side video producer, like the coordinator for TikTok. All and right, she's, and she's been telling me to like get onto TikTok for like last two three years. Uh, she used to work for Beatport too, but she kind of like knows those circuits. So she was like, "Yeah, next thing you have to do is definitely get into TikTok." I was like, first of all, I don't think I kind of do a dance off because all my friends gonna <laughs> laugh at me for the rest of my life. <laughs> so I don't really know how to do this. And then recently, what I've been trying to do is that I re- realized that all these kids they're also growing up and they do want to learn different things because that's there's a category where you can post anything that people can learn from so i've been starting to post like a minute clip what i do in the studio and it seems like it's doing really well so that's something like you kind of need to find like your niche and then kind of yeah yeah and interesting i did my first reels on instagram the other day which was the the techno invaders Mm -hmm. just like the little like arcade yeah now three and a half thousand views in like eight hours. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I mean, 
I think because uh, I, I was actually was in a webinar with uh, LabelWorks uh, and Facebook. They had like a webinar last year and they were talking about Facebook, uh, the Instagram Reels. They're saying that it's such a new product. They don't have a lot of restrictions on it, like how they have restriction on posting on Instagram or like mm. Facebook because they make money through the ads. So they kind of limit the reach. But Reels, they don't actually have any kind of like closure on that too. So anything you post, it goes straight to either on the discover uh like the section or it's i think it's chronological for just the real section too so you got a lot of interaction right away yeah yeah so i'm yeah. I'm, I'm gonna have to explore that a little bit more yeah i think it's I, a great 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 tool right now for video like just put like a video of like anything i think at least you can promote the music there too yeah, and I can get a bit more comfortable with that probably than, than yeah, TikTok. That's what, that's what I told my friend too, because she, she was like, so I, I was telling her like how when I posted it on Reels, I got like thousands of views right away, comments and likes. And whenever I t- post on TikTok, I see the views, but there's like no interaction whatsoever. My cat has more followers than me on TikTok <laughs> <laughs> and likes and interactions. I was like, ah, it's kind of frustrating that way. They're like a little bit more famous than me. But um, yeah, I'm trying to figure it out too. Like it's, I don't think it's like our age group. That's what she said too. Is like, I don't think TikTok is your age group, but at least try because that's, like that's the market we have to kind of like, they're going to move over to like our age at some point, right? So if you kind of yeah. get them to like know or understand me or like our brand, so it's going to helpful in the long run. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Mm-hmm. So uh, I need a, I need a young brand manager on board who can yeah, I, I think I, Yeah, I think that's a great idea too. Because right? I was thinking of that, like maybe my social media, once like shows comes back to normal, I'm going to get someone like a little bit younger than me so that they can understand the market a little bit better than myself. Speaking of you, when you said that you are um, like you deal with teenagers uh, for your other job, so what is the new thing right now in for teenagers? Like, what kind of music do they listen to in in UK? Um, I mean, uh, there's there's a mix really. I mean, rap and grime is huge yeah. still, yeah. Um, dominating mm-hmm. everything really. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so that's. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty massive, um, and a lot of that American new style R and B still seems huge. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's weird because I, I I always kind of think that I'm okay with with any new music, and you never mm-hmm. want to be that old person who goes, "I don't get this." But all that auto tune, yeah, which <laughs> yeah. seems to detune every all of the melody out. <laughs> Just, I, I don't get it at all, which is probably exactly what the teenagers wanted, wasn't it? For people like me not to like their music anymore. Yeah. Um, no, <laughs> I, I totally agree with you. I was like, I try to understand music. And uh, whenever like all this auto-tune stuff comes along, I was just like, how? Like, how are, are they even enjoying that? So it's the, like even that mumble rap, like I don't understand at all. No. Yeah. But and house music is still massive. I mean, that's the other yeah. thing. is House music is still massive and continues... Um, and it's one of those that goes across really the the age ranges from from teenagers up to like people in the sixties. I mean, uh, you know, there's a there's a variety, and uh, we we can have a conversation about genres at some point because yeah, I don't even, even then. I'm I'm trying to put stuff onto beatport. Okay, mm-hmm. we had a long conversation actually with, Sim, with Simba's latest release. Going, mm-hmm. so what genre is it then? Really? <laughs> He's going, techno. I'm like, it's not techno. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it is. I'm like, no, it's yeah. definitely not. So, but um, yeah, like I remember when I f- moved to Canada back in 2010, uh, I played Swedish House Mafia 
that time and they called it techno because I played on like my university frost week they asked me to play like any kind of music I wanted to listen to and that time I played Sujas Mafia 1 that was like the massive track of 2010 and they're like what kind of music is this this is techno change it up play something pop and two or three years after that same person who said that he was listening to Sujas Mafia I was like do you remember two years ago you said that was garbage and techno <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 a little bit different when it comes to the dance culture here. It's a little bit slower. That's what we said is that North America is always five years behind UK or Europe, uh, like embracing that kind of music. But same thing goes the other way around. Like pop or hip hop is so massive that it kind of goes back to Europe, right? So it's yeah, yeah, there. absolutely. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's there's genres out there. I still don't know what they are. Well, yeah, G House. I still don't know what G House is. There's yeah. there's like there's such a list of them, and I'm just isn't like, it, isn't like the Bass point. House. So basically, like the dubstep kind of sw- like morphed into like a T. Yeah. Album. Okay. Yeah. 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 Dubstep. See, that was a thing. It's still there. It, no, I don't understand yeah. it at all. I mean, I I went to Skrillex's show here in Toronto back in 2013, sober. And I was like on my phone, didn't realize that there was kids are going to get into mosh. So I was like thrown from one side to another <laughs> into a mosh pit of Skrillex's show. And that's my experience of dubstep. But um, I don't think I, I understand that at all. <laughs> I mean, I know there's a lot of people, including my partner. She loves dubstep a little bit too. But it's a very demographically uh, specific genre too. Like for example, in Canada... Uh, British Columbia, like the Western side, it's completely dominated by dubstep. Dubstep and bass house, that's all they live for. Um, same thing I would say in US too. Like the West Coast, they love dubstep a lot more than the East Coast. So it's very specific uh, demographics when it comes to dubstep genre. <laughs> I'll, tell you, I'll tell you my story about um, Canadian community radio, if you like. or, or yeah, college absolutely. So we just uh, we just had a release with uh, a guy from um, I think it's British, British Columbia. Lives in Golden. Okay. Uh, uh, he's a, a, a guy called Matt. He's a, he's, he's um, Happy Medium. Mm-hmm. Is his, uh, his kind of um, title, and it's kind of lo-fi house, kind of like that DFA records, LCD sound system type. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's synths, but you can hear the hiss. You know, it's proper yeah. analog stuff. So I thought, okay, what am I, what am I going to do with with, with this in, term, in promo terms? And I thought, well, probably should start grassroots. So I started researching all the uh, American and uh, kind of Canadian uh, college and community radio stations, got myself a list, fired it all out. And um, I got a couple of emails back. Um, I think it was two radio stations in Manitoba. Mm-hmm. And they both both wrote back to me saying, "Sorry, we can't we can't take uh, digital music, but there sent me a list, and you could send in cassettes, vinyl, oh, really, reel to reel tapes." They said they were quite happy with a reel to reel tape, but they weren't going to take a WAV or an MP3. Wow. <laughs> so I wrote to them, "What is this?" That's and he was interesting. Like, oh, it's just Canada. <laughs> That's interesting, actually, because. Um, where is is it like only in on that particular area they only take cassettes? Like it was it was two it was two radio stations, but they were both in Manitoba. Um wow, interesting. I mean, if you if you look in Can like look, look into Canada, it looks really 
big or massive country, but the population is so scattered. So yeah, Manitoba, yeah. I mean, it makes sense because Manitoba is so remote. Like, it's very, very remote. Like, some parts you can't even... Uh, you have to get your own private jet or like a charter plane to like go down there or helicopter because it's so remote to like even drive down there you can. So it could be just one of those uh, radio stations that really likes your music and might have a cassette. <laughs> could, could be, that was, that was really interesting. I think that whole thing actually around that network of uh, of community radio uh, uh-huh. in, in North America is really interesting. But I, I don't know if you've seen it there, but in the UK, the explosion of internet dance music radio has just been huge. I mean, literally, yeah. there's almost a new radio station every week. Oh, wow, really? I mean, I... I, I know that there's a lot of um, internet radio in the trans music, for example, because when I first started, I was part of at least eight or nine of them. Uh, they wanted like my mix every week, uh, also the tracks. Um, is it the same when it comes to that for the house scene in UK? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's uh, here in North America, radio, I would say it's like very still dominated by top 40 and the top, when i say top 40 it's like 2002 2009 top 40 like very old tracks they're still playing it like they probably just paid like a flat fee for the rest of their life or something like that i wish it changed because i feel like radios radios are such a powerful tool to promote music and in Europe or in UK, they do it right because they have like, you know, house radio station like BBC Radio 1 have so many different like subdivision of radios where they did discover music. It's not that easy when it comes to um, you, like US or Canada. That's why that's I pr- probably that's one of the biggest reason I think the five years like behind when it comes to our music culture versus the UK or in Europe. Yeah. Um, Another question. So, for example, say if someone wants to send you a track, what are the things that you look for for a demo? Um, I normally look to make sure that it's vaguely in keeping with the the kind of the sound that the labels mm-hmm. got. Um, and it is probably... 75% of the time, but um, I guess <laughs> there's still a lot of people making a kind of glitch uh, IDM, <laughs> which they send me, which is, yeah. it's not happening. You can keep sending it, but it's not going to happen. Um, uh, in terms of um, quality, I don't expect it to be polished and finished, but mm-hmm. you want somebody who's who's mixed it reasonably but it's more around structure and either either that it's got a hook it's got something compelling mm-hmm. um or that it's um or that it's got something in it that makes you think and i think the bot i mean the bottom line for me is do i want to hear it again if i listen to it and think i want to hear it again and i can listen to it for a second time i think i still yeah. want to hear it again yeah that's great if you're left without that then i just think and let's say that could be for different reasons you want to hear it again, but you've got to want to hear it again, or else yeah. nobody else is going to want to either, I suspect. No, I, uh, I completely agree with that part. Like, if if a track is something you don't want to hear at least second time or third time, <laughs> chances are there's something that needs to be fixed or changed. So yeah, what's the yeah. best way uh, someone can send you a demo? Uh, just just email it. Uh, I mean, I use, I use Submit Hub a little bit, only because it's quite a good way of managing... Demos, to be honest, it's a good way of kind of it doing. But uh, but I'm quite happy for people just to email them through. 
Um, I try and deal with them reasonably quickly. I always give people feedback. I think it's really rude actually just to you know have a listen and, and just trash it off. So I'll always, yeah. you know, I'll always email back to people, even if it's just to say, look, it's not, it's not for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, no, just eat, just and what would be that, would be that email uh, for anyone who's listening. Um, well, if if you go to the Roller Blaster um, Records.com website, you can just do it on there. So it's either got the email address or there's a contact thing and you can just just put it in there. So or, or rollerblaster.records at gmail.com. So yeah, always, always happy to hear. I mean, anything from from house through through techno, um, always willing to kind of give it a listen and and, and see if we can find a place. And um, you know, you the other thing is you've got to be able to think that you can add value so occasionally i get a sent track that's it's really good um but it's it's perhaps just in that that slot maybe a little bit around too much around the progressive house end or a little bit too much in that that baseline end and i just go with the people i know the roots that i've got can i actually add value to this yeah. Sometimes you just have to go it's brilliant track but i'm you'd be better off releasing it yourself than doing it through us and um you know so yeah, it's um, but I like I like getting demos. It's still exciting, isn't it, when you've got new music in your in your yeah, inbox. absolutely. I mean, I am very picky when it comes to the uh, my own label because I, what I am trying to do is a little bit different than what you are doing. I'm trying to like build like very few artists with me, kind of like thing. Because since I started like resetting myself <laughs> from trance to something, so I'm kind of like learning it up. And um, but yeah, I mean demo. Yeah, it's it's very refreshing every day to like listen to it and like kind of break it down. Um, any other hobbies? I know you talk, you you post a lot about like the rave culture from the '90s when it comes to um, Roller Blaster. The yeah, it will, uh, uh, tell us a little bit about that. What what's the what's the idea behind posting the '90s rave culture? Well, to be honest, it's, it's probably my it's my my touchstone reference point. To be honest, in terms of, of music, and if you if you listen to a lot of the records that we come out, you'll often hear that they are um, that they're records that have got some kind of homage to their that their yeah. kind of novelty sound. So I, I think that's really good. Um, and to be honest, it was. Um, the era before kind of superstar DJs where people just went and parted. Yeah. Um, and there were great DJs, but nobody ever knew who they were, mm-hmm. in all honesty. Uh, and I kind of like that. I like that history, really, of, mm-hmm. um, of um, yeah, of, of people coming together. And that idea, really, around uh, dance music as kind of a uh, shared experience of yeah. uh, kind of collectivism in, in terms of how people do things, whether that's artists and labels and promoters or it's it's club owners and people going to shows and DJs or whatever it is but that, that kind of coming together I think is is really important in terms of what you what you see um it's interesting you mentioned Berlin because of course Berlin still has that doesn't it that kind of culture oh, absolutely it, yeah I mean you don't you need to have a massive track released to become like an established DJ in Berlin if you have the taste if you have the skill sets to make people dance for hours it's like no-brainer you will you will you will fit right into berlin yeah 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 and another hot base hold on a second (laughs) there you go this is the other one (laughs) so 
So these these guys keep me busy. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. I I have to, we have, I had two cats. Now I have one, but um, we're actually planning to maybe adopt another cat. That's what we are planning now. Because you in a tower? Are you in a, a tower block? Yeah, uh, we are on the twenty fifth floor. Yeah, twenty fifth floor. Yeah. So uh, wow. So your <laughs> cats stay in, do they? What's that? So the cats the cats stay in, presumably. Do they? They don't. Yeah, uh, they they stay in. Don't get the elevator yeah. down. They stay mostly. I mean. Uh, when Amanda used to live in Seattle, uh, she had like a big backyard and everything. Uh, but when she moved here, the cats were there still. Uh, one of the cats ran away for three days. That's Zena. Um, so I think she's kind of like learned a little bit of lesson that I should not run away because it was too much for her. So yeah, I think they're very house cats uh, staying here. Or I would say condo cats because we live in a condo. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're actually going to get... Um, probably in the process of adopting another cat because she's been pretty depressed because since she grew up with Dexter. So yeah, that's really sad. Yeah. Really um, sad. In terms of with the label, what's, what has been your biggest struggle or difficulties so far? Um, <laughs> Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Um, yeah. I, I think, um, I, I think actually out of everything, Mm-hmm. As I say, uh, because artists are so focused actually on Spotify as a kind of a, mm-hmm. a model, and it's one of those things that's really hard to crack. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the whole world of playlisting and, and playlist pitching, because um, there's a lot of people out there pretending that they can they can um, do things that um, that they can't, you know, and you yeah. end up. With. Yeah, of course. What you don't really want is is high numbers. You want high engagement that can be repeated. Mm. And of course, yeah. some people can get your high numbers, can't they? You can. Yeah. You've got people who have got twenty thousand streams. Well, and another thing, I want to go the next or not? You know. Yeah, so I, I want to mention is that since you're saying how people promise you something, but it's not what they do. Um, remember another thing, and this is something I would tell any of my colleagues too: is like if you focus too much on Spotify and then you get into all these services that they offer you, some of them offers you showing like, oh, they have 20,000 followers on their playlist. And then if they put that playlist, you pay them X amount of money to like be on the top 10. A lot of them are actually not even real numbers. I feel like a lot of them are very bought plays and all that stuff. So it's very tricky when it comes to those because it might give you a sense of like some kind of like assurance thinking, oh, I got 20,000 plays on a track. Maybe my track is doing well. But in the long run, how much of that is credible or not, it's very tricky too. So I completely agree. Spotify is very hard to crack when it comes to that. Yeah, it is. It's the, it's the, it's the, the, one, the one difficult one I'd say out of the lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's all, about, it's all about engagement, isn't it? And repeated engagement is that, yeah. I mean, that's the real struggle as well. It's the same with, with any of the, the social media. I mean, do you want, do you want a thousand people who are highly engaged, or would you rather have twenty thousand people who aren't? Yeah, you know, you're yeah. better off with a thousand, aren't you? Every every time, mm-hmm. in truth. Um, so all of those things, I think, are a, are a struggle. And of course, it's a crowded marketplace. The the fact it's great that people can self release music, but of course, yeah. it's so saturated now, and often with stuff that isn't that mm-hmm. good, um, that it's hard to stand out. So that that's you know that's that's difficult as well. I think. Yeah, I think my suggestion to anybody would be to make sure you have a dedicated following. Even if it's like 50 people or like 100 people, 
or even like thousands of people like that dedicated followers would bring you a lot more in return versus like what I mentioned to you earlier is like seeing someone's profile that they have 200,000 monthly listeners and has only 800 followers. That's the difference. So it yeah. takes time. Like it's, 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 it might look crazy uh, appealing, but it takes so long time. Like even if you get a track on Techno Bunker or like say one of the major Spotify playlists and you get a million hits even for a track, but then the next track you get only 10,000 plays. Like that difference is just going to destroy you or it's going to not destroy you. At least it's going to slow you down to the point that, okay, what's the point? What was the point of it? Right. So well, the, the, the algorithm won't like you anymore, will it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that, and that too, it's, 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 it's a, it's a constant battle. Like you have to just keep on doing it. And I remember I was reading an article about how the CEO of Spotify mentioned is that uh, the artists don't understand that the Spotify market is like the game of Spotify is a little bit different. You have to release music. You keep on releasing music until it's relevant. That's what Spotify yeah. wants. So it's 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 one way it's a good thing, maybe, because maybe the artist eventually going to get paid what they, they used to back in the days. In another way, it's not a good thing because the quality of music goes down. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because the volume goes up and then they... Yeah, yeah. Like some of the artists I love, like I we talk about all the time because we have those release radars that I so, so look forward to every Friday because I can listen to all these artists. And there's this, there's a couple of artists that repeats every Friday. That like you can there's a there's a track release on every week for them, and I'm just like, how did do they keep up? And then eventually everything starts to sound the same because they're using the same kick, they're saying the same baseline. So yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's a really hard um, industry to like give you like or like leave a comment about like are they doing the right thing? Are we doing the right thing? Like. Mm. Losing a lot of contents or losing less content, so it yeah, and the death of albums as well. I was I was reading that like ninety percent of of people under twenty five have never listened to an album start to finish. Yeah, I feel like it's even myself too. Like I would be, I would be, I'll I'll be guilty too because I feel like our attention span has gone down so much, and this pandemic has made it even worse. Like sometimes when me and my partner would sit down and watch a movie in like half an hour, maybe we we're like on the phone for like at least four or five times. And we're trying to like make a rule now is that we're not going to put our phone in front of us when we were trying to watch a movie or something. Cause, and that's not just us. I feel like a lot of people are. So listening to a full album, yeah, that's, that's I don't know. That's a big commitment, I feel, at this point of age. <laughs> yeah, and I think you're right. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. Same thing happened with me with the live streams too, is that when pandemic happened, that's right when I stopped all my shows. And then all these artists are like fans even. They were like very looking forward to like listening to my music like live or shows. So I kind of started doing the live stream. But I saw a gradual decline on like, you know, people's paying attention to it. It's just like went like up and then went completely down. So I stopped it too. Like now I'm doing this kind of podcasts or and then add like a mix up afterwards every other month. I feel like I still have a dedicated followers who likes to listen to like a mix once a month. And I think that's great. But yeah, there's like a saturation of live streams. And I'm just like, yeah, you know what? I can't. 
<laughs> yeah, and, and podcast people will come back. To, we, we when we first started the label, we did a monthly yeah. podcast. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's it's. I mean, I don't think it's sure. it's a market for younger audience. Not at all. It's it's more of the people who who have been in the scene. They kind of want to change and want to listen to stuff that they kind of kind of relate to and learn something different. So that's what my idea. I wanted to switch the radio show into a little bit of a talk show slash, you know, mix at the end. Do you guys, do you have any funny stories to share uh, running the label that you love to talk about? Not ones I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> we can, we can, I mean, I was, I, we, we can, we don't get, need to get, get into the details, but definitely the, um, LCMP contest is a little bit of funny side of the things, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, and uh, <laughs> I mean, I've got I've got a very very low tolerance for um, yeah yeah for people that are assholes, to be honest. Yeah, and, no, I uh, uh, yeah. I mean, I've been I'm really lucky because that it happens mm-hmm. rarely, but you meet some people who are you know that that they're not good, and yeah. Um, yeah, and I've had it a couple of times as well. Um, it's it. I'm, I don't know, single people are, but but yeah, it's, it's egos, isn't it? And they create some some situations for you. And, yeah, uh, no, absolutely, and that's why I think we get along really well. Is that we all know what we want, and it's the love for music, and you know, put out great music. So, yeah, so for this radio show, I always ask the guest speaker to give me three of their favorite tracks. Mm. Is in terms of techno and house. Because that's what my genre of music that I normally play. So, what what is your three favorite tracks that you want to be featured on this mix? Mm, okay. Well, uh, Wazo Flatbeat. Okay. Is definitely, that's definitely on the list every single time. I think. Okay. Um, what else? Now, I'm not a massive drum bass fan, but um, Omni Trio. I don't know if, do you know it? Come across Omni Trio from the. Uh, I'm not. I'm not either a drum and bass fan, but I have. To, I have to play something like House or Techno though. So. Oh okay. Uh, Anything? Um, any any new new techno artists that you've been digging lately? Yeah, Mason. Okay. Across Mason. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I'm trying to remember the name of the track. The Mason track. I'm really. Let me tell you. Um. I'll tell you what, a couple of another couple of good ones. Tashar, have you come across Tashar? T S H A. I think I did, yeah. I think I have. Really good. And the other one, actually, that this is my this is my running playlist is uh, Dance Party. Okay. Um, the whole album it's, it's like a mixtape album, eighteen tracks uh, called "Where's the Party At." Every single one of them is absolute quality. I have to say. Awesome. And I will definitely feature some of them. And um, in terms of your artists, like all-time favorite artists, let's name top five. Um, that you would love to see them right now, like shows-wise. And they would play a show once pandemic is over. That's really <laughs> hard. <laughs> that's really hard. Um... Let me have a think a second. <laughs> Top five. I'm just going to have a quick look what's on my... Uh, I would say... 
on there would be probably a track. All right. Canadian guy. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, Busy P, I think would probably be on there as well. Uh, really, I really like all of that, that headbanger stuff. I think is mm-hmm. is great. Um, underground resistance. Nice. Are they are they still like? Did they perform shows before? Yeah, I think so. And 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 floor plan as well. Mm-hmm. Although um, I'm, I'm not I'm not a religious person, and of course they you know they're, they're kind of gospel techno thing though. It's just okay. amazing. Yeah. It's just uh, it blows me away every single time. Um, so yeah, I really like that as well. And who else? Uh, see, my other one that I like. This is not house and techno though, but. Mm-hmm. Um, Vampire Weekend, the one band that I just think are just yeah. incredible. So uh, there's got to be a bit of remixing go goes on there at some point, um, I think. Um, yeah. And the other one that I've got back into recently is uh, the KLF. Nice. So, of course, they didn't really, you know, you couldn't get the stuff at all streaming for yeah. years and they just, just put stuff back out. And that... Sounds so good, so fresh, so yeah, yeah. From I mean that rework thing that we are planning. I was we were listening to some of the tracks. They came out like back in the days, but the release date is like 2018. I was like, well, how did they release like if it was released back in the days? Then I realized that they were not on Spotify for so long. No. Yeah, no, that's right. Just to just to, just to mess with people, I think as much as anything by refusing yeah. to have them on there. Yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah. There's some. Um, I mean, you've chosen a great track. Mm-hmm. That's going to be... Yeah. Oh, I'm excited for that one for sure. Well, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to um, wrap this one interview up for this particular episode. So we are really excited for Seduction. Um, yeah, yeah. Big and also another idea that's coming up in summer that we can't talk about yet. No, that's... Uh... One. <laughs> or actually two oh. of them. Since we just yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're amazing. So we've got, yeah, we got some good stuff coming this year. Yeah. Well, thanks for this interview and we're really excited for the release. Thank you. Yeah, awesome. All right, so I'm going to stop the recording and then we can continue on this. <laughs>